Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. The world's most tyrannical regime has managed to survive for 75 years without most people in the West giving it a second thought. It has the world's worst human rights record. 10% of its population live in conditions of modern slavery. Some 200,000 of its citizens are imprisoned in labour camps, and they include anyone who professes faith in Christ, because it is, by a considerable margin, the world's most anti-Christian society. I'm talking, of course, about North Korea. Since 1948, three generations of the Kim family have presided over a totalitarian dictatorship that, for sheer brutality and effectiveness, surpasses even Stalin's Russia. Yet this abhorrent imprisonment, effectively, of a population of 25 million people is of little interest to most politicians in the West, unless they feel threatened by North Korea's nuclear arsenal, in which case they pay attention. It's also of remarkably little interest to most Christian leaders, who, perhaps because it is a socialist state, feel that maybe they should soft-pedal their criticisms. In Britain, I can think of only one politician, my personal political hero, the Catholic crossbench peer Lord Alton of Liverpool, who unrelentingly draws attention to North Korea's horrifying abuses of human rights and truly disgusting levels of religious persecution. I find it hard to imagine what life might be like in North Korea, and I've actually been to South Korea in the mid-1990s, to write about what, at the time, was the world's largest Christian church, the Oedo Full Gospel Church in Seoul. But now I've had the opportunity to talk to somebody who has escaped from North Korea, and what he had to tell me chills the blood. Timothy Cho is a Christian human rights activist who now lives in Britain. As a teenager in North Korea, He had to live on the streets after his parents fled the country during an appalling famine. He has been imprisoned twice, he's been tortured, and it is heartbreaking to hear what he experienced as a teenager. As he told me, when he looks back on it, he thinks of it as his own personal experience of the Hunger Games. A few years I lived on the street and uh, back and forth my grandparents' house circumstances in North Korea at that time was very, very terrible. Over 3 million people died of starvation in the 1990s. So it's kind of a hunger game I always compare with. To give you some idea of the brutality of the regime, the young Timothy was sentenced to forced labour for the crime of watching a videocassette of a James Bond film, Die Another Day. It, It was years ago when I was there, I also watched a a foreign film, James Bond film, Die Another Day, but that was a long olden days of a cassette, which I also watched it, but my punishment was go to police station and do some forced labor a few days and make a few statements. But today, they literally send even teenagers to a labor camp or in certain cases, try to show as an example to the public they execute them. The North Korean regime isn't remotely troubled by executing young people for cultural crimes, and indeed at least one person has died by firing squad for circulating copies of the South Korean drama Squid Game. 
But perhaps no crime is more heinous than converting to Christianity. For 75 years, anti-Christian propaganda in North Korean schools has been nothing short of hysterical. And as a child, Timothy Cho experienced it himself. One example in a school textbook, like how, how this young boy uh, uh, collected uh, firewood and coming down from mountain. And he was passing by a missionary's apple farm and, and the wind blows that moment and dropped an apple on the floor and he picked it up. That missionary guy saw that boy was picking up an apple. And then what missionary did, he, he tied this boy on the tree and dropped chemical acid on his forehead until his death. And so this was a one example of a school textbook, how they portrayed Christian missionaries used to come kidnapping and take children's blood out. So like vampire story they have uh, uh, created by themselves. Of course, you could argue that North Korea has its own state religion, which is the cult-like worship of its founder, Kim Il-sung, and his bloodline. And that this quasi-religion survives after 75 years is partly a function of one of North Korea's secret weapons. The visiting of punishment, not only on dissidents, but on generations of their families. It's a crime that can't be erased. As Timothy says, some people still believe the propaganda. Those who don't, pretend. There are two categories, two groups of people. Some people still believe it, or people pretend they believe and they follow, because otherwise they know what consequence. They, if they don't follow it, or even if they don't pretend, and they know what's going to happen to their family, because when father uh, make an act of treason, that goes all the way to third generations. And that, that's really still happening in North Korea. This is one of the things North Korea is very, very uh, work hard on this. But this was already there from the, uh, the time when I was born in North Korea, or even before, even my parents' generation's time were already, has, had, has already accepted this prison system. It, it starts from age two, nursery age in North Korea. So every single of house in North Korea you have a Kim family picture frame. So first thing you start talk, you have to learn how to bow to Kim family's picture frame inside the house. School, university, factories, companies, every place you go to around North Korea, they must have a Kim family picture frames and that hung on the wall. And outside there are over 50,000 Kim families monuments. So you are literally from the day you born inside and outside you have to bow to the statues and picture frames if you don't you know what consequence would come if you put if if there's any dust on kim family picture frames and someone inspecting it like every few weeks regularly and you are in trouble it is a prison country and they have a complete information blockade uh, from both inside and outside what you have seen what you heard you cannot express it. You have to close your eyes. You have to block your ears. You cannot choose anything what you thought, what you would like. Even clothes, hairstyle, what to wear, and what to, uh, uh, what to express. Everything, this has to be cursed. So I still have a little trauma wearing jeans because um, we were not allowed wearing jeans because it was American productions. And the freedom of movement, 
From here, Manchester to London, just with the rail ticket, I can get on a train. But in North Korea, every single movement from town to town, you have to get permission from authorities and get travel documents. Now, it goes without saying that lots of North Koreans want to escape their gigantic prison camp. But they can't just walk across the border into South Korea. They actually have to enter South Korea from a third country, which they can only reach by crossing China. And China has a habit of throwing North Korean refugees as it catches into jail and then returning them. When Timothy Cho tried to leave North Korea, he found himself in a Chinese jail. And it was there that he first encountered Christianity. A fellow prisoner told him about Jesus and taught him how to pray. You say amen at the end of your wishes. That's how, how he taught me how to pray. So my very first prayer was, God, I don't want to be killed. Amen. I don't want to go back to North Korea. Amen. Which I said everything what I would wish for. It was like a, a child asks God uh, for uh, sending his uh, Santa, Santa to my home for Christmas. Will I pray this 20 times a day, so many times. But what I thought that moment, if you pray to God, and, and I was thinking maybe God would send a helicopter to destroy this prison building and get me out like in a James Bond film. It was not happening like that in about five or six weeks time. Keep praying morning, lunch, evening. So what I then made the determination that moment, still doubting, no, God wasn't there. But so my last prayer was, I asked God if you will exist, and and if you give me uh, you uh, uh, give me freedom, and in return I would devote all my life to you. But if I was sent back to North Korea and I was executed or I was killed by myself during the repatriation, I told God I was going to deny your existence. That was my last prayer until the last day when two men visited me in the prison. And I was shocked. Firstly, I thought two men came from North Korean embassy. But when I went outside of prison, they were actually from uh, uh, international community. One guy was from South Korean embassy. The other guy was an American. I'm not sure whether he was American or someone. He looked like a Western person. But they came and said to me, you're very, very, very lucky. Chinese authorities made very strange and ever maybe the last decision to deport me and my group, nine people, to the Philippines instead of uh, North Korea. I almost doubted because it was almost impossible things you could think of it. But this is one of the things I know God makes impossible things to become possible. And one of the impossible things that happened was that this year, Timothy, who in fact had made more than one attempt to escape from North Korea, now based in Manchester, addressed the Geneva Summit for Human Rights and Democracy, which is held during the annual session of the United Nations Human Rights Council. But not everybody in the United Nations audience was receptive. In the UN, there are over 68% dictators are sitting in the chamber. And when I was speaking, these dictators, China, Russia, and Cuba, and Iran, they were not happy when I was speaking there because it is about truth, what this persecution means. We must stand together in that solidarity. 
in every century we know that going back 70 years ago where Dietrich Bonhoeffer German citizen who could cooperate with Hitler then he could avoid his death but he knew it was against God's love what he said there before he executed silence in the face of evil is itself evil God will not hold us guiltless not to speak is to speak not to act is to act now you might wonder why would even dictators from around the world be so indifferent to the suffering of the people of North Korea and the answer lies in the criminality of the North Korean regime which extends well beyond the persecution of its own population North Korea smuggles weapons into 44 countries if you ask many militia groups uh, and uh, those uh, uh, military groups in African countries, ask them who haven't bought North Korean AK-47. They have very good quality AK-47 and much cheaper than buy from other black market or, or Russia or China. So this is one of the things how regime continues to survive. And we have to um, try to block the, their financial resources, counterfeit drug and, and trafficking where they involved a lot of international crimes they have also involved and selling Iranian nuclear materials to I Iran and in return they receive crude oils. So you can understand why the dictators club aren't interested in confronting North Korea and they're especially nonchalant about religious persecution in which many of them are deeply engaged. China for example is becoming more and more intolerant of Christianity as time goes on alas, with the tacit support of the Vatican. But religious freedom isn't really on the radar of the foreign ministries of many Western countries. It's never been a priority for the British Foreign Office, for example, which is one reason that David Alton has to keep standing up in the House of Lords and pointing out what's happening. Isn't it time for Britain finally to wake up to this scandal? In the Korean War of 1950-53, Britain was the second largest country. We sent over 60,000 services and they fought for Korea's freedom. This is one of the reasons how South Korea is prosperous and freedom and freedom of religion is everywhere in South Korea, yet half side of Korea still remain in darkness and totalitarianism. And so this task UK as well as a Security Council member, I must continue urge uh, the role to take this because it's not just about individuals stand for those who can't speak for themselves, but democratic countries also take equal responsibilities. If we don't do that, because the darkness will come on our doorstep. Indeed it will. And some people would say it already has.